And you're back for another exciting deep dive into the Bible here on True Wisdom. I'm Robert, and I'm joined with my co-host, Andrew. Greetings. And we are going to tackle a new subject today. But first, why do we search for true wisdom, Andrew? We search for true wisdom because, and I had a good verse that I was going to use, but I'm just going to go straight to our verse. Proverbs 9, 9, and 10, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We want knowledge and we want wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and therefore we need to seek them of God. Excellent. So let us start with prayer, and then we'll get into the lesson chosen for today. Dear Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your living word, the Bible, and your living word, the Christ, who both minister to us and provide us with this ability to learn more about you. We ask for your wisdom right now and what we study and what we say, that it will be your words and not ours. Amen. Amen. So what have you picked for us to talk about today? The title of today's episode is, What is the Point of Prophecy? What is the point? What is the point of prophecy? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I can jump on that. I have a whole theory about that already, but where are you <laughs> taking us with it? Well, well, let's ask. What, what, what do you think the point of prophecy is? What would you say is the point of prophecy? I'll say it's the point to validate the truth of the Bible, the truth of God okay. speaking through these prophets, and their okay. markers. They're markers for us not to panic, not to get scared, but to know to be ready. Okay. Okay, so what would you say is the purpose of prophecy? You've definitely hit on a portion of what um, the point that God has given us prophecy. Uh, too often we pretend that prophecy is some rite of passage, it's a, a badge of honor, right? Something that we get to know and other people don't get to know, and it makes us better than them. Um, but that's not the point of prophecy. That's not the reason why we were given prophecy. Um, let's let's go to a Bible story. We're gonna we're not gonna read the whole story. We're gonna get to the crux of the matter. Genesis forty one. Go over to Genesis forty one. And start at verse 25, Genesis 41, 25. All right. Genesis 41, starting at verse 25. And it says, And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed, Joseph, God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kin are seven years. And the seven good ears, excuse me, kind, are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I spake unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showed unto Pharaoh. Okay, we can stop there. Um, and then he goes in. So the background of this is 
Pharaoh has a dream. He has a dream about a set of cows that behave kind of weird, right? Some some fat cows that come and then some skinny cows that come and eat the fat cows that remain skinny. And some seven ears of corn and their rich full ears of corn and some scrawny ears of corn come swallow up the fat ears of corn and remain skinny. Mm. And he's perplexed. He ends up getting Joseph. Joseph understands the dream and vision. Now, there, there are a number of things here. God does something really cool. He gives the dream to Pharaoh twice, right? Mm-hmm. Joseph says, for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. That's verse In the 32. Mouth, right, verse 32. In the mouth of two or three witnesses. Mm-hmm. Right? In the mouth of two or three witnesses. So we see later with Daniel, God gives Pharaoh the dream. Pharaoh. God gives Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. the dream. And then he gives Nebuchadnezzar can't remember it. So then Daniel goes to sleep and gets the dream. So now we have two witnesses. After prayer. Daniel comes back and tells Nebuchadnezzar the dream and then interprets it. So God always uses this method. Right, always uses this method. Now, obviously, if he's giving it to a prophet of his, he doesn't need to do it that way. He's, he's establishing him; he establishes himself with the with the prophet a different way. But when he's giving it to people outside or establishing doctrine that's going to come from that, he makes sure that it comes to them twice. So, in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Okay, mm. but the point of the prophecy was for people to know what was coming not be worried about what was coming, just mm-hmm. like you said, and to take action. Yeah, good point. Right? Yeah. Yeah, not not it wasn't for triv it wasn't for trivia's sake. Right? So John 14, 1 to 3, Christ gives a promise. He says, Let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, you believe also in me, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So what does that tell us about what, you know, the information? Why is Christ giving his disciples that information? So that, well, there's, you know, he has, they have to understand that the kingdom that Christ was trying to establish was not there, it was not for the now. That's the one thing. But just because he's leaving doesn't mean they need to worry. They will right. have their seat around him, as they were talking about before. <laughs> right. Just that it was coming. It's to come. Right. So so look at John. John, yes. Look at John chapter 13, verse 19. John 13, 19. Mm-hmm. That says, now I tell you before it come, that when it come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Okay. And then, and then look at chapter 14, verse 29. Okay. 14, 29. John 14, 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it come to pass, ye may believe. Okay, so what do we see in those? What do we see in those two verses about about prophecy? That they, 
that the prophecy is so, I think I mentioned that before, that they'll be able to know that he is who he says he is because he's able to foretell the future. Right. So there's an aspect of prophecy that says it is there to confirm our faith, primarily in Christ, secondarily in Christ's word. Right? So the prophecy, when prophecy comes to pass that Christ told us about, it certifies him as being who he said he is. And it certifies us to trust the rest of what he has said. Mm. Check out First Chronicles twelve thirty-two. First Chronicles twelve thirty-two. That says, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their command. Okay, this is so it, it, the chronicles there, they're counting the genealogies, right? It's one of those places where the genealogies of Israel are counted. And, and um, it's also near the section where we end up with the story of Jabez, which is a really mm-hmm. cool um, passage. But here it is, the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, for what purpose? To know what Israel ought to do. If you get prophecy, if you have prophecy, if you understand prophecy and you don't use it appropriately, that's a problem. In fact, look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. Ah, I think I know this story. And though I have the gifts, oh, okay. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, love, I am nothing. Right. So think about that. If you know, if you are like the children of Issachar, and you're a man that has understanding of the times, because that's what prophecy gives us—an understanding of the times. Where are we in the prophetic timeline? What's supposed to happen to know what Israel ought to do? So imagine that you are a man of understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. But because you have no charity or love, you don't communicate that to anybody else. Mm. Paul says you're nothing. Mm. Right? Because love is always manifested. It's demonstrated. Right? It's not just something you have in an abstract sense. It's demonstrated. Um, Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Again, it's not just for knowledge's sake. It's not for intellectual attainment's sake. It's not for trivia's sake. It's not for bragging rights' sake. It's not for argument's sake. It's to know what Israel ought to do. Mm. It's to know what Israel ought to do. When Pharaoh interpreted the dream, uh, well, when Pharaoh had his dream interpreted, when Joseph interpreted the dream to Pharaoh, after he explained to them what it was, he said in verse 33 of Genesis 41, 
Now, therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise. Mm-hmm. Right? See? Mm-hmm. We're back to wisdom again. And set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Tax the people. Right? Tax the people. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be stored to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. Mm -hmm. Okay? So again, here it is, Joseph has the ability to interpret this. God has granted unto him the ability. Instantly he hears this situation and he understands the prophecy. He knows it's an important prophecy. He knows that it's something that God is about to do. He knows that it's something that God is about to do. And he says, here's what needs to happen. Here's what needs to happen. And he tells them what they ought to do. Now, of course, at the time that he's saying it, he's telling them, right? He's just a guy. He just got pulled out of prison, just shaved and dressed. And he's telling them what needs to do, what needs to happen. But you see, he has something. Go ahead. (laughs) No, no, say it. it. Because he has something powerful on his side, he just provided the answer to a dream. He provided prophecy. He did something they could not do. Their respect level for him rises immensely. You see the same thing in Daniel, as you mentioned before. Right. Three times, well, twice, I'll, I'll say specifically twice, that his position was elevated because of the prophecy that God gave him. Because people right. recognized the gift that he had to be able to tell what is going to happen. Right. And, and because, he was, because he gave guidance on it, right? So in, in this case, Joseph gives guidance, right? Pharaoh gets the, the dream, and Joseph interprets the prophecy and gives him guidance on what he ought to do. And because of that guidance, Pharaoh says, yeah, I, I agree with you. I am going to look out a man to speak wise. Who's as wise as you who could answer this question? Right, right. So you've, you've got this. Right, Joseph um, Daniel now, who interprets the the vision for um, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He right, he doesn't he doesn't give them guidance in Daniel two and Daniel five. He doesn't give them guidance there. Um, he gives information. Right, he he gives rebuke to to. Belshazzar. Mm-hmm. He gives information to Nebuchadnezzar. It's only God who can do this. Right? God is a God of all gods. He sets the kings. He, he sets the, the, the scene, and he gives him guidance. He doesn't, he doesn't say, here's what you ought to do, um, but he gives him the information, and Nebuchadnezzar promotes him. In Daniel 4, when he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's other dream, he does give him guidance. Mm-hmm. He says, based on this dream, you might want to change your behavior just a wee bit, <laughs> and perhaps things will go well for a longer period of time. Right. Right. But but the whole point of prophecy, the reason we're given prophecy, is 
for the express purpose of being prepared. Being prepared. And it's for salvation. It's just not, it's not abstract preparation either. Right? It's not, it's not insider trading. The difference, what's the difference in, in, in your view? What's the difference between God giving prophecy to his people and insider trading, which is where you get information about things that are going to happen, which you can use for your financial profit? Well, there's a, there's a, a selfish component with the insider trading. Because what you're saying is you're using knowledge that's not available to someone else for your own gain. Mm -hmm. It would be the same mm -hmm. thing as if you have knowledge of the Bible and you don't share it with anybody. Sure, you could say, mm -hmm. well, that book is available to everybody. Anybody could have picked up that book and read it. But there is a, a distinct Holy Spirit-guided understanding that if provided to you, you do not share with others, not to elevate yourself. But if you don't share it with others, then you're dealing an inside trend. I'm going to be saved, but I'm not going to worry about the other people. And that's, that's a very good point, because here's the thing. When inside, the interesting thing about insider trading is while you might be able to, while you might convince yourself that, hey, I'm gaining, I'm not hurting anyone else. The fact of the matter is, because you have information that other people don't have, and you act upon it, you are indirectly hurting them, and your gain is coming at their loss. You could argue that if you didn't know either, everyone would have lost, right? That's a, that's a fair argument that could be made, but the, the, the effect of knowing something and acting on it for your own sake when other people could also benefit and you don't, because in that particular case, you're not supposed to act on it at all, then it's not shared pain anymore, right? You have essentially inflicted pain upon others right. because you've taken advantage of the thing in a way that you shouldn't have. And everyone else is losing when, yes, sure, maybe they would have, but now they're losing their loss is essentially your gain, even if you haven't actually taken money from them. Right. In contrast to that, let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 7. Hebrews 11, verse 7, which says, mm -hmm. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet, excuse me, things not seen as yet, moved with fear, belief, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, this is an awesome passage. If we didn't have Genesis to go back and reference, we wouldn't be able to necessarily um, decipher this from insider trading. Right. It does I sound like... yes. Right, the he prepared an ark house. for the saving of his house. Yeah. By the which he condemned the world. By the which he condemned the world, that ark was available for everyone. They were present and knew about it. There was an offer there. They, the world, he condemned the world because he acted by faith. They didn't, and they perished. Right. Right? So the condemnation of the world. And this is interesting because, you know, we, we have another episode to do at a later point about judgment and condemnation. He condemned the world without condemning the world. 
He offered the world salvation, and because they didn't take it, they condemned themselves. But because he made it available to them, then they brought judgment upon themselves, right? Mm -hmm. If they had just been going about their business, didn't know, and one day there was a flood, well, that was inadvertent, right? But they were told that judgment was coming. They were told that a flood was coming. They chose to take no action and therefore condemned themselves. And because he was the preacher of righteousness, insisting that they take action, he essentially condemned them. Mm. Right? And, and it's, it's weird how the Bible looks at that. In, in the one sense, they condemned themselves. But in the other sense, he condemned them because he presented before them the path of righteousness or death, and they chose death by not choosing righteousness. Right. So here we see Noah as a perfect example of obtaining prophecy, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. That's prophecy, right? They're specifically referencing here, Paul is specifically referencing rain and a flood, which they had never seen before. But the, gen- the gist of it is being warned of God of things not seen as yet. That's prophecy. That statement refers to he was given prophecy about what would happen. Otherwise, I mean, if it was just this abstract, hey, stuff is going to happen, why would you build an ark? Right? The Lord told him, build an ark because this is coming. A flood is coming. He moved with fear, right? Not, not timidity or, or abject terror. He moved with great respect and urgency. Hmm. He prepared an ark. Now, it's kind of odd to say that when he took 120 years, but that's probation for you. Yeah. Prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So righteousness by faith leads to action. Prophecy gives us information so that it can be turned into action. It's not there to argue over or to debate or to speculate. It's not there to anticipate either. I'm sure that Noah did not spend his time arguing how rain would fall, how the process worked, what the timing would be. None of that. Because that was not the important part. God said it was coming and to be prepared. And that's what he was taking care of. And I I think That's that's one of the things, especially as the world takes a turn each and every day and everyone's wondering, is this the thing that's going to bring about no, prophecy yeah. distinctly states it's a series of things. That's number one. Number That's two, number one. those things aren't the thing to be concerned about. Those things are just waymarks. Those things are just reminders to be ready. Our job is to be ready, not to go and try to decipher which part of the beast we're in. Because any part of the beast you're in is part of prophecy. So if you're talking about the bickering, you know, we sit and we spend a lot of time being really intellectual about our Christianity. I know this. I know what this prophecy means. I know what this means. But are you saved? Are you ready? So without being ready, the knowledge, like you said, is useless. You know, I, I listened to a sermon 
last year, maybe within the last two years, I listened to a sermon which shook me. And it shook me because it said, it said something that I had never given any thought to. I can honestly say, I just didn't think about it. You know, we get so used to the genealogies. So-and-so had a child, this name, and he did some stuff, and he had a bunch of other children, and he died. And, and then named child had a child of this name, and then he had so-and-so children, and he died. And, and so you just go through the genealogies, and it's like, okay, Adam, and, and Seth, and this, and that. Okay. And this person said to, in the sermon, you do realize that Noah had brothers and sisters, right? Mm. And I'm thinking, hold on. Noah had brothers and sisters. Noah is from the godly line, right? So we're at a time in Earth's history when, for the most part, the good guys are on one family tree and the bad guys are in one family tree, right? It's not, we're not at the Jacob and Esau where you can have twins whose paths are so divergent. You're, the, you're in a place where largely the good family is one place and the bad family is one place, right? And yes, as we, as we dealt with um, at the beginning of Genesis 6, you see a lot of chaos that creates the problem that leads directly to the flood. Right. But the, but the point is, Noah had siblings. Not a single one of his siblings ends up in the ark. Yeah. Now, we know his father dies. We know his father dies five years before the flood. His grandfather dies a year in the year of the flood. That's, that's partly what the name of Uthula means. When he dies, it will come. Right? So, so God has given them hints and hints and hints. And, right? There are these people whose years, whose, whose name means pay attention because prophecy will be fulfilled within this kind of a time frame. Mm. Okay? And by the way, why do you think God doesn't tell us now when things are going to happen, when he seems to have told them much more closely when things were going to happen then? Because, because you notice it didn't help. Yeah, we'd wait till the last minute to try to change, and by then we'd be so set in our ways. Right, exactly. So here you have a guy whose name is, when he dies, it will come. He dies, and no one else gets in the ark of Noah and his family. His, his now nuclear family. Right. So, um, so you have all of these other people. I mean, that, that, when that sermon, that, I don't remember the rest of the sermon. Much of the rest of the sermon is gone. I just got absorbed by the fact that as close to home as this was, he, he had siblings. Mm-hmm. And those siblings did not enter. And so you had a lot of people with knowledge. You had plenty of people that helped him. You know, it was in Noah and four boys that built the ark. Right. You had other people that helped them. They just didn't believe. And didn't go in. So and didn't go in. Just, mm-hmm. So as we close up, what would you right. say your, your prevailing thought about prophecy is? The purpose of prophecy is for us to know who Christ is and believe him to believe his word and to take action based on his word and the prophecy he's offered and to share that information with others so that they can also take action. Those are the four points of why do we even have problems? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Okay. And if we're not doing those things, if we're not studying to, to, 
to know and understand what God's word is? Because you made a you made a reference just now about are we saved? We know all of these details, but are we saved? In the in the end time, right, in the final conflict, the final conflict, the people who are sealed with the seal of God are not marked with the mark of the beast. Right. That, that's, if you want to sum up how does everything end, those who are sealed with the seal of God are saved, and everyone else gets the mark of the beast. So rather than finding out what's the mark of the beast, how do I avoid it? The Bible teaches you that the avoidance of the mark of the beast is, is being sealed. Get the seal, then you don't have to worry about the Get mark. the seal. Know the seal, get the seal, the mark of the beast will take care of itself. Amen. We, we need to be like the children of Issachar, which were men of, that had understanding of the time, to know what Israel ought to do. Right, right, right. Well, so now it is incumbent upon you to pray us out. Yes, it is. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving unto us your word. We thank you for giving unto us your son. We thank you for the promises that are contained in your word and the prophecy. We ask you to help us to be in alignment with you. You gave us that prophecy to confirm trust in your son, trust in his word, trust in the things that would come so we don't have anxiety and frustration and take action to be prepared so that we don't have loss. Help us to use prophecy the way that you gave it to us and for the purpose that you gave it to us. Help it to be a blessing to all of those who, with whom we meet. And may they all be saved in your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. So we want to thank you continually for listening. And we pray that you've learned something from this lesson about prophecy and, and preparedness and the, the true meaning of what you see, the many prophecies you see in the Bible and what they truly mean for our lives today. We want to continue to encourage you to write to us. Uh, our Twitter is at truewisdom underscore pod, P-O-D. You could also email us at truewisdom at spaceage-llc.com. And we look forward to hearing from you, requests, things you want us to cover, questions you may have. And we pray for you that you will be blessed and that you will continue to search God's word. Have a wonderful day.